All right, guys, welcome back to Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward, and this is episode 70, which is just blowing my mind right now, just thinking about it. Um, like, I can't believe we've done that many episodes, to be honest with you. Uh, and I'm very excited to bring you the story of today's guest and the story of what he started. Um, so today, I'm, I actually took the podcast. It only took 70 episodes, but I took the podcast on the road. <laughs> and by on the road, I mean, I packed up my laptop and a couple of mics and I drove like 12 minutes down the road for me, uh, right off I-70 on Tennyson Street. And I went to the Feral Mountain Company um, to talk with its creator and owner, Jimmy Funkhauser. And I had been in the shop many times before. I'm pretty sure if you go back, there's an episode a long time ago where I didn't intro. Uh, I think it was when I was talking to my cousin, Matt Rackers. I didn't intro talking about climbing the maroon bells. I think it was like episode five, like to put it into perspective. Now that we're at episode 70 and uh, I went into the shop and got equipment and outdoor stuff before climbing the maroon bells, which is one of the biggest adventures I've ever stepped up to one of the most outside my comfort zone things I've ever done. Uh, and I remember walking in, the people who worked there were just so unbelievably nice and knowledgeable and they knew their stuff and their equipment was really like legitimately awesome gear. Um, they have all sorts of stuff, camping equipment, uh, sleeping bags, really awesome clothes. And their logo is badass. It's two ice axes crossed crossing each other and they're like top of them are mountains so anyways long story short i was very impressed by feral mountain company um you know kind of became a fan Lindsay, my wife bought me a bunch of their stuff over christmas i kind of walked around like a walking billboard um because she bought me a hat a shirt and a water bottle <laughs> and i was like i can't wear all these in combination here um but absolutely really enjoy their store so i did a bit of deeper digging and looked up the owner, Jimmy, and his story was fascinating to me. Is It's the story of someone who kind of had everything on the normal path. Everything was going in the direction his life was probably expected to go in. He was 10 years with a corporate business, a big corporation. He was doing the whole, the whole businessman thing, uh, working for him. And then... All of a sudden, one New Year's Eve, he thought to himself, what would I do if I were to live in a year without fear? A year where I will not let fear determine any of my decisions. And three months later, he started his own outdoor shop in Denver. So he quit his job, uh, went down the path of of most resistance probably of starting your own business and uh really you know stepped into the uncomfortable with a smile on his face and decided to start something for himself and it's really inspiring it's really motivating to me when i see people do that i have a lot of friends who are entrepreneurs who started their own business and things like that and i'm always so just it's it's inspiring to me because their projects 
become kind of like a mirror of themselves. Their values, their goals, that bleeds into what their projects result from. Um, and it's actually one of the reasons why I started this podcast because I was thinking to myself like, I'm just your mild-mannered everyday teacher, everyday science teacher. <laughs> um, and I need, I just, I just felt the need to create something of my own that I could put my heart and soul into without really any, any bosses, any higher ups, which by the way, teaching is a great career because really, if you're doing your job, you're in control of your classroom. You get to kind of do that. So I like that creative muscle was being worked in the classroom, but I just, I wanted a project. I wanted to start a project that was really meaningful to me in my life and it was either going to be successful because I put in the work or it was going to be unsuccessful because I didn't put in the work. I wanted it to be all on me. And uh, I really relate in that sense to Jimmy's story. I really relate to his passion for wild places and public lands and getting outdoors and exercising outdoors and trail running. I'm actually kind of like during this intro, I'm like, oh man, I'm going, I'm going for a trail run like right when I finish this. <laughs> so I'm like getting excited, man. It puts a smile on my face. So I relate to all of that from Jimmy and I hope you guys can draw something from the conversation. Like I said, I really, really, really enjoyed it. And I realize I say that on like every podcast. I get it. But it's because these conversations are very enjoyable to me. I love it. I love exploring and hearing new ideas and, and trying to take uh, lessons that I learn from, from the people I talk to and apply them to my own lives. And I hope you guys are enjoying that too. All right. So once again, the store is Feral Mountain Company. If you're ever in Denver, it's literally right off of I-70. So if you just fly into Denver and you're like, I'm going to drive up to the mountains, this will be like a two-minute detour. Like it's right off the main highway. So go there, stop in, ask, like they are so knowledgeable. Ask them like, what's the best adventures? Like I'm going to this part of the state. What can you recommend to me? Um, going, I just learned this because we recorded the podcast in the basement of the store uh, surrounded by rental equipment. So I just learned you can rent camping equipment, backpacking equipment, all of the stuff you would need, you can rent right from their store. So I was thinking for all my friends who don't live in the state, but are flying out and maybe they don't want to ship out all their camping gear. You don't have to, you can just go there, rent it for a few days and return it on your way back to the airport. Pretty sweet deal. Um, so yeah, that's Farrell Mountain Company. It's on Tennyson street. Uh, be sure to check it out. Um, and his name is Jimmy Funkhauser. He's going to have the most badass beard in the store. Um, so make sure you, uh, make sure you say hi to Jimmy, talk to him. He's a great guy. Super nice. Very inspiring. Um, very knowledgeable. If you guys enjoy this podcast, I would love if you subscribed to the show. Uh, you can do that on iTunes or anywhere you listen to podcasts. It's like a Bigfoot. Um, you also can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I don't use Twitter that much, but I'm trying. But, uh, but yeah, that's all at Like a Bigfoot. Our website's Like a Bigfoot. And uh, yeah, you can also find the collection of our episodes on SoundCloud. So that'd be great. Leave us a review if you enjoy the episode. Um, that helps us out immensely and lets us uh, keep finding all these just awesome people to chat with. All right, guys, without any more 
of me blabbing on, <laughs> let's get into Like a Bigfoot number 70 with Feral Mountain Company owner Jimmy Funkhauser. All right, uh, welcome to the podcast, Jimmy. Um, Thank you. I have to say this is the first podcast maybe ever recorded in the basement of a store. This is where all the magic happens. Yeah. So behind, if you want to be behind the scenes, we have to actually physically get behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah, man. So like, kind of describe it. We're surrounded by tents and sleeping bags. and Yeah. So obviously we're not a big shop and we don't have a lot of storage, but right now we are basically buried in all of our rental gear. <laughs> So, uh, oh, that's yeah, cool. I didn't know you guys rented stuff. Yeah, we do. Yeah, just about everything we sell, we rent on yeah. some level tents, sleeping bags, sleeping pads, oh. snowshoes, all that. That's awesome. So, yeah. like, if people were just visiting the Denver area, they can just stop by and pick up some. Right. Yeah. So, it's great for people that are visiting, but it's also great for people that have visitors. So, um, you know, a lot of people, most people who live in Denver are active outdoors, yeah. but don't always have the kit that they need for everyone that visits so it's nice for them to just bring people by and grab the stuff they need to grab and go yeah man that's awesome yeah yeah i love the store so i guess we should tell you what the store is it's feral feral mountain store or? Fer- yeah feral mountain company uh, okay. um, colloquially known just as feral uh, okay is what most people most people call us yeah uh, so yeah we're an outdoor gear shop here in denver uh we've been here for about two years and you have like a badass uh Emblem, emblem, logo, yeah, logo, yeah, emblem's fine. <laughs> I don't know the fancy like marketing words. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. I, I guess we've kind of been become known for our logo. It's um, awesome, man. Our, yeah, so our shirt is. Uh, uh, we've been trying to come up with like a way to measure, but a lot of people uh, believe that it's actually the most the best selling T shirt in Denver right now, um, which is crazy. Uh, we we've been trying to like statistically confirm that is accurate, <laughs> but. Uh, but yeah, the the logo's been very well received. That's cool, man. What how'd you come up with it? Um, so I I'm I like very simple aesthetics, simple designs, simple colors. Yeah. Um, and we worked with uh, a team here locally that uh, worked built our website. We just kind of collaborated back and forth on really narrowing down the design of that logo. We yeah. went through, as you can imagine, a billion iterations until yeah. finally. Uh, coming down to that one but i just wanted something that was a little edgy but also still very clean and simple yeah man i like how the top of the ice axes are mountains yeah which this maybe goes to say something about me but it took me like a good few weeks of wearing the shirt to realize that and i love that no that's (laughs) great and that's that's actually the case for a lot of people yeah i wanted something in the logo that was a very subtle homage to you know kind of what we are and who we are and what we do and yeah uh, a lot of people don't ever notice that detail, um, and I kind of appreciate that <laughs> to some degree that there's just that little extra nugget that yeah. some people don't get. Yeah. So uh, you're saying I'm a genius then? It's I, <laughs> I can't independently confirm that, but you're you're ahead of the curve. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's cool. So um, yeah, let's get into it, man. Sure. I I read a couple articles about you um, doing kind of I try to do like minimal research for this, right? Where I'm like I want to know enough. But I don't want to know everything. You don't want to lead the witness? Yeah. yeah. You know, and like, yeah. that's not fun for me. I like figuring stuff out as we right. go. But yeah. uh, I heard about Year Without Fear. Yeah. Can you kind of get into that for me? Yeah. So that, that's, I guess, what kind of led to the creation of Feral. Um, so I, I was in a pretty big corporate 
uh, gig uh, previously. I was with my old company for 10 years. And I had suffered the same disillusionment that I think everyone goes through in that type of setting. Whether you love it or not, there's always a point where you just ask, start asking yourself the big questions and keep coming back with the wrong answers. <laughs> and uh, it was New Year's Eve, 2015, and a buddy I was out with some buddies, and a buddy asked me, "You know, what do you want to do next year?" Because I, he, they, I'm not a big uh, like resolution, resolution yeah. person. Like in my opinion, if you want to do something, you shouldn't have to shame yourself and just do it. Um, or you can do what I do, which is just like the week leading up to the resolution, being like, "I'm just gonna eat like shit right now." Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So I I just I said you know I just I, I thought about it and I said I want to do whatever it is I would do if I wasn't afraid to do it. Yeah. I just want to kind of take things on without fear. Um, and then the very uh, the very next thought was, like almost subliminally, it wasn't even like a conscious thought, was I would leave my job Yeah. immediately <laughs> if I wasn't afraid to do it. Yeah. You know? So that was December 31st. We grand opened on March 5th. So 65 days later Yeah. from just the whole process. Was it just like... A whirlwind of nonstop work to set that up, or yeah, yeah, it was nuts. Um, you know, it, because we carry some great brands, and the first step for me was convincing them that I wasn't a lunatic. Yeah, you know, because there there aren't a lot of local independent shops anymore. The ones that are here or anywhere have probably been there forever. Yeah, and they've just survived. There aren't a lot of people opening new boxes, so. You know, I, I, I went to Outdoor Retailer, I think it was like a week or two later in Salt Lake City, and I just went basically booth to booth and introduced myself, said, this is who I am, this is what I want to do, this is what I'm passionate about. We don't even have a name yet at that point. Yeah. And uh, just sold my vision. And fortunately, we had a handful of great brands that were excited about that, and it grew from there. What kind of like reactions were you getting? Oh, like, the whole gamut. Like, yeah. <laughs> people that were excited and people that literally thought I showed up on a cocaine binge or something like I've, I'd lost my mind. Like this guy who came in off the, off the street and didn't, yeah. you know, I mean, it, I'm being a little facetious, but truly there were some people that weren't really even interested in having the conversation because, uh, you know, for a lot of them, the reps already have the stores they like. They don't, in some cases, they don't want to have to work any more than they already do. Yeah. And, uh, and also, you know, they, um, want, I think most brands want to see a finished product, want to see what do you actually bring to the table yeah. before they jump in, into the, the game with you. And we had some of that, you know, there were some brands that initially were very lukewarm about the idea, but came on board six months later when they came and saw what we were all about. Yeah. Um, but there were also some that were really excited just because, uh, there's not a lot of new stuff, new retail, new in, independent outdoor gear shops out there. Yeah, yeah, man. How'd you pick this location? So I lived, I lived in the neighborhood. Okay. Uh, and, and this was always the first neighborhood I knew in Denver, even before I moved to Denver. When uh, we used to visit here, it was usually this neighborhood. Yeah. Um, because we we had uh, uh, acquaintances that lived here, uh, so I was always very familiar with the neighborhood. Um, but I had seen over several years how it was kind of coming into its own and growing totally um, in a local with local businesses shop local has always been a big thing for Tennyson Street um, 
but that's fun and that's all fun for a slogan at the end of the day there has to be viability and yeah. I started to see over time that it was reaching that point and um, it just made sense for us at yeah. the time yeah what's well, cool like being or living in Arvada which like 15 minutes from here right. you know like western yeah. it's kind of like a cool street you can go to and on a Friday night that's right. not downtown Denver. Yeah. Like, you don't have to commit to driving all the way downtown. Like, right. It's awesome. Like, and there's, I, we, me and my wife came here for a date a couple of weeks ago and like, it's packed. Mm-hmm. Like it was packed on the streets and your store was open. Mm-hmm. Like everybody's, you know, traveling through all these stores and. Yeah. It's, it's like a, I always say it's like a small town inside the city. Cause we're on the very edge fringe yeah. of what's still considered Denver. But the neighborhood has a very small town, small neighborhood feel to it. Even though the buildings are getting taller, yeah, uh, still has a very neighborhood feel that you don't get in a lot of the rest of, rest of Denver. Yeah, man. It kind of reminds me, because um, like I said, we were living in Virginia before, and mm-hmm. we traveled to Asheville a, a, quite a bit. Yeah. And yeah. it kind of reminds me of Asheville sure, yeah. a bit. I can see that. Yeah. Like kind of hip and a lot of stuff going on. Right. And, you know, good restaurants and stuff. Yeah, but also we wanted to kind of be a part of that yeah. shift. Because when we came in, like the neighborhood, I've always felt the neighborhood was great, but was still lacking on the retail side of things a yeah. little bit. Um, and we kind of felt like we had an opportunity to be, um, you know, spark. Yeah. Uh, one of the sparks. There's a lot of great sparks in the neighborhood, but we wanted to be the type of business that came in and helped the neighborhood move forward to the next level, yeah. you know. That's cool, man. Have you always been like an outdoorsy, like adventurous person or... Uh, not, I, I, I sh- it would be just, dis- not really. I mean, it <laughs> honestly, it kind of hit for me, um, you know, growing up, no, okay. not at all. I mean, in Indiana, there's not a lot. If To get outside in Indiana, you're doing one of two things. You're either hunting or yep. playing golf. I 100%. That's it. Yeah, I'm from Iowa, man. Yeah. Like, 100%, that's my f- kind of thought process. Too. Like, I love Iowa, love the Midwest so much. Yeah. But the activities I like to do are out here. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, well, for me, it, it started with a um, it, kind of interesting. I, I graduated college. I was two years out of undergrad. So I was, what, 23, 24. At that point, I'd never hiked in my life. Yeah. You know, so this is 11 years ago. And uh, I, I was, I'll never forget, it was a Wednesday. I had the day off and I was reading a John Muir book. Yeah. And I just. No, no, no. I was reading. I was reading some John Muir, but I, it was uh, uh, Into the Wild by okay. Crack Hour. Yeah. Uh, and I just blew through it, like chewed it up, spit it out. Loved it so much. I felt so inspired. I decided I'm gonna go hiking this weekend. <laughs> you know. And it was Wednesday. So in Indiana, the nearest mountains are the Great Smoky Mountains. You know, Great Smoky Mountain National Park. So I figured I'm just gonna go down to the Appalachian Trail and hike for like four days. And I had two roommates at the time. They thought I was crazy. Uh, So I I literally, I went to this little outdoor gear shop uh, nearby and said, this is what I want to do. What do I need? You know, which we, that happens here a lot. You know, we experience that a lot. And they set me up with a kit. And uh, that Friday, um, hopped in the car, drove down and did like 32 miles from Klingman's Dome to Fontana Dam. And it changed my life. That's awesome, man. So ever, ever since that point, I've been... Like an outdoor evangelist. Yeah. What uh, like what did you experience that weekend? Were you completely unprepared, or I mean, it was a mess. <laughs> so I ate ramen. I I ate only ramen noodles for like three and a half days. It's the only food I took, and I think 
at the I, like a little bit like a few granola bars of snacks and stuff. I lost yeah. seven pounds <laughs> in three days. In three days, <laughs> yeah, like like a boxer, yeah. <laughs> you know, getting ready. So it, it was uh it was that was that whole side of thing that was just a mess. Um, some of the gear I had made no sense, you know. Looking back, um, you know, had really no idea what to expect from that perspective. Did I really, you like overpack or underpack? Way overpacked. Yeah, so did I. Yeah, way overpacked. Yeah. Um, but I, I think what ha- more than anything, the impact it had on me was it was the first time I'd ever experienced true silence in my entire life. Um, you know, growing up in a big family and a you know, in a town, in town, you know, there's just, you, you don't realize that even when you're sleeping, you never have a moment in your life where there's absolute silence. And I just remember having that moment, um, after a few miles onto the trail, I just remember thinking like it's, it was almost eerie and yeah. uncomfortable how quiet it was. And you could hear like, you know, leaves off in the distance rustling and it's just made, like, like that would break the silence. And there was just this heightened sense, like your senses were just heightened and, and, uh, I just never experienced it. It was invigorating and it just, uh, I wanted more of that after that hike. Yeah, man. So did you like become addicted after that? And, you know, like I just, I just talked to someone on the podcast and he was like, had kind of the same experience. Um, and then he's like, and then after that, I would drive like 10 hours every weekend. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I, I, I will say, unfortunately, that wasn't an option for me at the yeah. time in my life with my career. But uh, uh, we made a habit, me and two buddies who kind of became my hiking buddies back home, made a habit of uh, taking a trip to yeah. a destination and doing a big hike whenever we could. I did some hiking there locally in Indiana, but it became pretty clear to me swiftly that if that was going to become a functional part of my lifestyle, staying in Indiana was just no longer an option for yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. Would you go down Appalachians every time or? Yep. Yep. Typically. Yeah. yeah what what kind of places do you like there? Um, so I probably great smoky mountain national park. I, I think it, well, it's the best part of the AT that I've hiked. I know that a lot of people feel otherwise that have hiked more, uh, particularly up in Maine, some other areas. I really liked the area near Damascus, south of Damascus in Virginia. Uh-huh. Um, that was a lot of fun. I actually hiked through that section with my brother a couple years later into Damascus on trail days, which if oh, anybody's yeah. a through hiker, you know trail days. Uh, just a big, big uh, gathering of all of the through hikers along the AT. So that was a really special couple yeah. of days there in Damascus. Yeah. Um, so those are my two favorite areas. Nice, man. Yeah. Was it like Grayson Highlands? Do you ever go there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That place is amazing. Yeah, yeah. It, it was the first time I'd ever seen wild ponies, yeah. you know, through <laughs> yeah. there. It was funny because we come around a corner and I kind of saw this like big brown form and you automatically think bear and we get closer and closer and it's just this little pony. Yeah. On top of a mountain for no reason. It's like with the biggest belly. Ever. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Really sweet. We walked right up to him. Yeah, you know, all of them, and they'd let you pet them, and they're looking for food, obviously. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, it was really unique. That's cool, man. Yeah, yeah. I ran a race there, a 50k there, and it's one of the prettiest. Yeah. Well, I I invited my friend out from California because I'm like, hey man, come out. Like this is the prettiest spot in Virginia. Mm-hmm. You're gonna love the views, and of course during race day, it's just cloudy and socked in i'm like right well the views were cool i promise man yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> but, it's really pretty through there but yeah man so um you're working you're doing the corporate life are you in indiana then or are you 
Yeah, so uh, spent a lot of time in Indiana, some time in Kansas City. Okay. A um, few different places in Indiana, actually, Evansville, Indianapolis, Fort Wayne. Then spent some time in Kansas City. Uh, so moved around, actually, like six times with the company over the course of 10 years. Wow. Um, kind of chasing the, the opportunities. Did it feel almost like you weren't in control of things? Uh, I, don't, I don't know if I ever felt... I, I, I guess it depends on what you mean. You know, I, I, I think that I, I've always been very, in, uh, very entrepreneurial and yeah. very independent. And, um, I, I think in a corporate environment that gets snuffed out pretty quickly. And I, I was a little bit of a disruptive force and that's good when you have the right team and when you don't, sometimes it's a little dangerous. Um, so I, I will say that for the for the majority of my time there, I had uh, colleagues and bosses that that embraced yeah. my quirkiness. Yeah. Uh, but I had a couple throughout the course of that time that I that didn't. Uh, so I think it's just a reflection of whoever you're working with. But uh, uh, I will say that I, I did feel like my creativity was stifled pretty significantly overall, just being in that environment. And that was something that was a problem for me. But yeah, um, it, it's certainly hard to control. A lot of things when, you know, an organization that big has responsibilities to either shareholders or, you know, whatever. So Totally. Well, I'm just imagining like you saying you had to move around a whole bunch. I yeah. Mean, yeah. Was yeah. that in your control or? Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I will. I, I was always chasing opportunities. Yeah. You know, I was fortunate enough to have some success with my old company and with that came opportunities. Unfortunately, those opportunities were usually somewhere else. So as the young single hungry guy um that was having a lot of success uh i was getting opportunities to to move up in the organization just unfortunately they were always you know always required a relocation which i honestly was great i thought it was really i loved living in different places and experiencing new things and um, so I didn't have a big problem with that. And they actually are the ones that got me to Colorado four years ago. I transferred out here with my old organization. So I couldn't be more grateful, yeah. you know, more thankful for that. Um, so I, every every move, I will say, was an opportunity that I was excited about. Yeah, yeah. that's nice, man. Um, so, you know, when you're talking about year with no fear, like, <laughs> it's such a dumb question, but like how scary was it to just be like, hey, like when you walked into the office and you're like, hey, I'm uh, I'm quitting today. Uh, like was that terrifying or? Nope. Nope. No. no <laughs> you already no, made up your mind. <laughs> no. So and I'll tell you why. Um, and I love this question uh, because I love answering it. Uh, <laughs> it's only it, it depends on what you're afraid of. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm not afraid of failure. I'm not afraid of financial failure in the way a lot. I think most people are wired. Uh, I'm afraid of regret. Like that's my defining fear is regret. Yeah. Uh, and I think for most people, their defining fear is failure, or their defining fear is being uncomfortable or whatever. Uh, but that that's not how I'm wired. My defining fear uh, that usually um, that I usually act on is avoiding regret. Uh, so, um, you know, when I thought about it, I didn't want you know to to be in that career for 30, 40 years 
and look back and say, why did I give them all of my time? Yeah. Why did I dedicate? Why did I commit everything? Because all, all, time is all I have. It's the most important thing anybody has. And I didn't want to be 30, 40 years down the road and, and realize I gave my I gave my time to the wrong thing or the wrong people. Yeah. Um, that was what I was afraid of. So um, leaving that situation was liberating. It wasn't something that was anxiety inducing at all. I can understand how it would be for most people because I think they fear different things. Yeah. Um, but uh, that wasn't the case for me. Yeah. That's awesome, man. What, uh, like I heard of this yesterday, um, while I was telling you about that hike, I was yeah, attempting, yeah. <laughs> um, I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about the opposite of fear, not being bravery. Mm-hmm. They were talking about it being curiosity. I believe that. And I thought that was interesting. I was like, Oh, that makes sense to me. Like you're not, it doesn't seem scary if you're just chasing curiosity. Sure. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's on some level that's, that strikes a chord with me because one thing I, I want to know more than anything is just what I'm capable of Yeah. when I have control over my own outcomes. Um, and in a setting, in a corporate setting, um, you have very you have limited you have constraints on your capacity to control the outcomes of your decisions and your actions. At Farrell, um, um, there are very few constraints yeah. on my capacity to be creative and my capacity to make change and my c- capacity to put my stamp on things. So it's the ultimate test of my <laughs> skill or my competency yeah. or you know whatever. Um, and that's exciting and that I'm, I'm curious to know like can is this you know am I wired for this is this what I should be doing yeah, and that's man. exciting for me what's that uh, expression like glass ceiling I don't know if I've ever actually understood this expression but is that what you mean like is there like a ceiling in the corporate world of like this is as far as you can go like you can't go any higher. No, than that. Well, I think I think the term is largely associated with people that uh, maybe have um, um, systemic challenges outside of their actual skill set. Like okay. I think particularly for for women in some settings, corporate yeah. settings have um, have unfortunately um, you know have things set up against <laughs> against them yeah. um, and prevents them from maybe having the same opportunities as men. Um, in some other situations. Uh, so I think that's how the term's applied. But uh, I, I would say that it just depends on what your uh, definition of success is. Um, I would say by the traditional definition of success, I had no limits yeah. in my old job. Okay. Um, uh, I, I could have made a tremendous amount, made great money, could have made a tremendous amount of money, could have continued to have a very successful career, which by most people's standards is the success they're chasing. Yeah. So I wouldn't say that by traditional standards, there was probably no ceiling there yeah. uh, for the most part. Um, but those aren't the standards that I measure. Those aren't the metrics I'm using to d- define my success. Yeah. So. Was your attitude like forged by some of these hiking outdoor experiences? I mean, I guess when you put yourself in a situation where there's some like real danger, mm-hmm. like the danger right now is... I could fall off this cliff right. or the danger right now is I'm in mountain lion country and it's, you know, morning time where they're out and about. Sure. Like, does that put, I guess, quote unquote, like what people consider like real life danger. Does that put that in perspective or. Yeah. I, I think to some degree, I actually wrote a blog 
piece about this maybe a year ago and <clears throat> kind of talked about the value of real fear because yeah. no one, very few people there are people that live with fear there are some unique circumstances but for the most part generally speaking um, most people go through their life without really experiencing like that carnal fear like what fear really should be and, the, and most of our fears are are uh, ego driven you know yeah. I don't want I don't want to be broken up with or yeah. <laughs> you know I don't want to lose my job yeah. because I'll be shamed you know like all these things that are more egocentric um, and when you're thrust into the outdoors and in, in real situations strips away all that ego and all of the things that you think matter um, and you're forced to really deal with what it was like to be a human 10,000 years ago. Yeah. You know, and fear has, in my opinion, in a modern society has very little value. You know, 10,000 years ago, fear is what kept us alive. Fear is what kept you from, you know, when the when the bushes next to you started rustling, fear is what kept you from getting eaten by that saber-toothed yeah. tiger. <laughs> now fear is like, it's more ego and it's more, don't want to get my heart broken. I don't want to be embarrassed. Yeah. I don't want to... Like, none of that shit has any value. It means nothing. Yeah. So I, I do think that on some level, for people that are paying attention, there's some lessons there that can be learned by their outdoor experiences. Yeah. Uh, and my hope is that people get that. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, I know your uh, whole message or mission here is to, uh, you know, promote adventure, mm -hmm. get people outside more. Um, do you, does that, is that one of the reasons why you want them to experience these I think there's a lot of value there. I think um, uh, it's something I've always been passionate about because I've seen the value it's added to my life. Yeah. Uh, so I've always wanted to try to engender that that feeling with other people. Um, so there there is that. I think there's just some personal value in having real adventure in your life. Um, but it's actually twofold for me. Um, <clears throat> there's also an environmental component to mm -hmm. it, a uh, conservation component. I, I studied environmental management in grad school and Somebody said something to me in grad school that always stuck with me. They said, <clears throat> my, my, one of my professors said, uh, as, as it relates to conservation, you'll never protect what you don't love. You'll never love what you don't know. And you'll never know what you haven't come to experience. Yeah. And what he was saying essentially was, you want to protect nature. You want to be a conservationist. You want to do these things. You don't have to work at an NGO. You don't have to be a politician. You don't have to be an attorney. You don't have to don donate all your money. Um, sometimes just connecting people with the outdoors is sufficient because those are the people, when they've had the experience, those are the people that fall in love with national parks and the mountains. And subsequently, those are the people that become the adventure warriors, the, the environmentalists. Those are the ones that vote in politicians yeah. that will conserve public spaces and will vote with their dollar and um, that really stuck with me and became a big part of why I wanted to do this because I decided I wanted to be on the uh, rather than the, the environmentalist advocate or preacher I wanted to be the person that actually helps people fall in love with the things that we should be protecting yeah man I was it's funny I was literally just talking to somebody about this mm -hmm. um, and she was mentioning you know, Bear Ears has been in the yep. news lately. And, you know, she's very environmental. She lives basically on public lands. Yeah. Um, but even, she was even like, I had never been to Bear Ears. And so I was like for the cause, 
but as soon as she went there and visited and spent like four days just exploring it, right. she's like, now is 100% in. Yeah. You know, just being there promotes that. You can be an environmental attorney. You yeah. can work in <laughs> yeah. a nonprofit. You can do all these things, but if you've never personally experienced what it's like to be in the mountains or stand yeah. on top of a mountain or be in a national park, you're just doing it because you think you should, not because you give a shit. Yeah. Um, it's just not possible to love something that you've never experienced. And if you're, if you don't love it, how are you fighting to protect it with any authenticity? That makes no sense to me. So I think to her point and to your point, it's a critical component of continuing to have these spaces protected. Definitely, man. So you're like a connector. Right. Yeah. 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 I think, you know, I say all the time, we're, we're storytellers here. You know, we, we're, we're storytellers and connectors. We want to share you know, the excitement that we have for the things that we do and, and try to spread that gospel. Yeah, man. One of my favorite things ever is taking someone on their first hike up into like serious mountains, like a 14 or yeah. something. And, um, you know, it's just funny, like speaking of that, my, my friend Calvin, I, I think I was telling you, I came in the store last year, mm-hmm. um, to get some stuff for an adventure. Um, my buddy was hiking all the 14 ers in the continental U S yeah. in the summer and so I was joining him for Maroon Bells, which scared the shit out of me, to be sure, honest yeah. with you. Um, <laughs> but uh, I had introduced him to hiking 14ers like three years before. Yeah. And now he's doing this amazing thing. And now I'm sure other people are seeing him do this and they want to experience it too. And it just spreads. And you don't even realize like how much of an influence you would have, you know, yeah. just by showing someone your love for these places. One of, one of my mo- the most frustrating things I hear from people, and I hear it a lot in Colorado, particularly from people that have lived here for a really long time, is that there are too many people on the trails. The trails are being loved to death. I, yeah. I, 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 I think I understand the frustration because nobody wants to go to their favorite trail and see that it's crowded or see the parking lot's full or see that somebody left you know, a bag of dog shit on the trail. I get all that. But what they're failing to understand is those are the people those that's the critical mass of society that we have to create to actually protect those spaces because if this previous election indicates anything it's that they can be taken away yeah if if people vote a certain way and for the national parks to be there 20 years from now and the state parks to be there 20 years from now you have to have those people on the trail falling in love with the trail um everybody starts wherever they're at people make mistakes uh, but at the end of the day, we don't need fewer people on the trails. We need more trails. Definitely. Yeah. And yeah. They, I don't know why when we see. <laughs> I've never heard anyone put it that way. But that makes total sense. Yeah. It, it, it's just a simple like A-B equation. Yeah. You know, it's, when people go to a trail and see that it's crowded, they automatically think, damn it, all these people are here. Instead of thinking, man, I wish we had just a few more trails to spread it out. Yeah. You know? And I think that's the solution is more more public lands. Uh, more more trails. So if that person, that old curmudgeon, is upset about all those people, then, then volunteer your damn time. <laughs> show up with the county and building some trails. Yeah. Because the, the only thing that keeps more trails from getting built is just boots on the ground, people doing it. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's the solution. That's so funny, man. I've had that, I've had that experience um, at Mount Falcon on mm-hmm. a weekend. I heard a guy, I was waiting for my wife and daughters, you know, and it's packed. And I heard a guy say that exact same thing where he's like, 10 years ago it wasn't like this and I was like dude 
how cool is this? All these people love being outside. Yeah. They love doing these activities and right. exploring these places. Because you know? guess what? If you if we ever reach a point where we sh- show up, you and I show start, we go to trails and we, there's nobody there anymore. Yeah. Then we're in trouble. Those trails are going away. Yeah. Because there's that means nobody's voting to keeping nobody's voting with their dollar. Nobody's voting in politicians because they don't care. Yeah. So if we ever show up on the worst thing could ever happen is we start showing up on trails and there's nobody there anymore. That yeah, would man. Be a disaster. Yeah. Well, and then I kind of it's it's hard for me to sympathize because I wake up early because mm-hmm. I want to get my workout in before my kids wake up. Sure. And so I've been on like North Table so many times, which is a packed trail right. during the weekends. If you get up early on yeah. a Saturday, you're the only person up there. There's know? always opportunities for yeah. solitude. If you can't find a trail in Colorado that that is quiet and not busy, then you're just not be you're just not creative enough. Yeah. They're out there. Well, that's like one of the weirdest experiences is standing on North Table overlooking the skyline of Denver. Sure. And thinking like there's like I don't know, a million people? Almost, I think in Metro, like <laughs> almost three million. Okay, there's a crap load of people down there. Yeah. And yet I'm by myself. Right. In this place with like wild animals. And Absolutely. Yeah, man. It's just, it's a weird experience, but it's kind of one of the reasons why I love this area and I love Denver so sure. much. So. I agree. Yeah, man. Uh, So after moving here, like, what was that like? I mean, I know you said you loved going hiking and stuff, but now you're in this area where there's all of these opportunities and, you know, you're an hour from being in like the legit Rocky Mountains. Right. Yeah, it was, it actually, the whole thing came from a, a hike that I took with my two hiking buddies. We <clears throat> decided we would do something different than the AT one time and, and decided to come out in Colorado and hike the Four Pass Loop, which is classic Colorado hiking yeah. loop, you know. Is that um, in Aspen? Yeah, just okay. outside Aspen. In the Maroon Bells. Yeah, so. That's what I thought. Um, and the moment we got, I'd never seen real mountains before. Yeah. You know, this was maybe seven years ago. Uh, I'd never seen real mountains before. And not to, not, not to say anything bad about the mountains out east, but they're just different. They are. Um, it's a. They're cool too in their own absolutely. way. They're yeah. like you get this old, like ancient feeling. Sure. Being yeah. in there, but yeah. yeah, I understand. It's just different. <laughs> yeah. And we we were on the interstate driving west on seventy towards Aspen, and I think we got like maybe, like we came over a hill crest like just outside of Idaho Springs and saw like the snow capped mountains for the first time in my life. Yeah. And I remember turning to my buddy and saying, "I'm I'm gonna live here. <laughs> like, I just I have to live here." Yeah. And it took me a while to make it happen, but, um, you know, when I got out here, uh, I went at it hard. I mean, I wanted to experience, you could live in Colorado your whole life and not see everything that's really worth seeing. And, um, you know, I did, I, I went out pretty hard, tried to try to get around and see as much as I could. I'm a big trail runner. Yeah. That's pretty much my go-to adventure is getting out and just knocking out miles and uh i just went at it you yeah. know it's just it's just a different experience like you know i, I mentioned earlier uh, we were chatting that the you know, high lonesome loops my favorite trail run and in that trail run like you can experience adventure like you would never get in indiana or yeah out east you know so uh it's just it's a very special place yeah man what kind of uh what are some of your favorite spots out here um yeah so i i more of the high alpine stuff is what I really enjoy yeah. as far as trail running, like the high lonesome loop, the four pass loop obviously is 
you know, I think regarded by many as one of the most beautiful hikes. Or is that like 20-some miles? Twenty. Uh, the four-pass loop is it's 20-something. I can't remember. I can't remember if it's high or low 20s. Yeah. Um, but uh, I like loops, high alpine loops that can be ran in a day. Yeah. Um, I mean, I enjoy backpacking, but yeah. uh, I, I'd certainly like my flavor is definitely more trail running. Yeah. You put in a good day's of work and you can get a beer afterwards. Get a beer, and... get a shower. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not have to dig a hole to shit in. You know? <laughs> and I don't mind doing any of that stuff, but like, it was funny because before I was a trail runner, I remember that one of the first visits in Colorado, we were, we went up to uh, Fort Collins and did a hike and this, this trail runner like blew past us. Yeah. And I remember thinking, looking at him and thinking, man, how's he enjoying this? Like he's going so fast. He's not soaking it in. Yeah. You know, he, there's no way he's having fun. And now that I'm a trail runner, you know, I'll run past a group of hikers and I think, oh man, how are they having any fun? They only get to see like four miles today. I get I to see 20, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just, it's just a different perspective, different experience, but yeah. I, I love it. Yeah. I always talk to people like it's a way to get to the really pretty spots, right. like a little bit quicker, you sure. know, and you can see more of it and you get experience more. I mean, there's, there's things to love about both hiking and running. Absolutely. Um, Cause you know, hiking, you get to kind of slow it down and really appreciate it yeah or post holing like i did yesterday right that enjoyable experience of yeah sinking up to your waist in snow sure that really slows you down yeah <laughs> yeah like but like the high lonesome loop i can i can go out there and that's a good half day's work yeah you know trail running um and it's just hard to do that sort of it, that get that kind of adventure in in a day if you're hiking yeah man so. that would be a long long hike it'd be, a, it'd be a slog yeah yeah definitely um what have you been just mostly around this area or like what are some of the best adventures just around the Denver, Denver area? Yeah. So I, I think the go-to spots for just about everybody is, you know, golden Morrison, mm-hmm. evergreen kind of the go-tos. I think evergreen actually outside of three sisters, Alderfa, there's actually a lot of trails in evergreen that uh, people, um, you know, don't really like captain mountain. You can kind of yeah, go I've in the backside of evergreen. Um, you know, I just think people end up, there's like 10 or 12 hikes near Denver that they're just, everybody does. And there's a lot of other opportunities within an hour that are kind of hidden, you know, like silver plume, which is like 45 mm-hmm. minutes West of the city has a f- couple great trails that you can literally hike or run right from the town. And, uh, you know, seven thirty trail in silver plume. You can leave literally from main street and be on top of a 13 or, uh, five miles later. Really? And people don't even know that. That's so cool. Empty, you know, so, I try to sprinkle those in wherever I can. Yeah. Uh, and like if, you know, like tonight I'm a little short on time, so, I'll, you know, we'll get a quick run in here near the city. I, I go up to Boulder a lot, actually. Yeah. Uh, um, Boulder, even though I live in Denver, uh, you know, Boulder has some of my favorite trails. I, I end up in Boulder one or once or twice a week running because yeah. I just love uh, the proximity. Get a great run in, go get some Sherpa adventure yeah. in. <laughs> You know, Nepalese food and uh, some chai, and I just, I love, love, love yeah. in Boulder. Bear Peak is seriously one of the best hikes yeah. that I've done in the state, and it's just right over Boulder, <clears throat> yeah. you know? Yeah, the, the Skyline Traverse there in Boulder is so much fun. That's yeah. a great trail run. Good. Another example of, like, a full-day effort Yeah. Um, where you're getting some, like, legitimate mountain running in, um, but you're never more than a couple miles from from some Starbucks. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> you can, so you have the just amazing proximity, but, uh, the Boulder Skyline's another favorite. So you're just great. Or like the Grin and Barrett or Green and Barrett, uh-huh. Green Mountain and Bear. 
um, double. Um, that's always like, oh, oh wait, that's I, called Green and Barrett. The Green and Barrett, yeah. <laughs> the Green and Barrett. Uh, so also like if you're in Boulder running, like you'll get passed by some like world class athletes. Yeah, I I think Boulder uh, and someone's gonna Google this and tell me I'm an idiot, but I I, I was told recently Boulder has more Olympic athletes in the city per capita than any other town in the country. Oh, yes, man. And for the ultra running community, you've got uh, just this huge group of world-class ultra runners that live in Boulder. Not only some of the old school guys like Scott Jurek, but some of the up and comers that are just taking over the scene like Cap Bradley that are just dominating. It's just, that is like the trail running Mecca of the United States right now. There's no doubt. Well, there's like, I'm not thousands, but there's hundreds of miles of trail there. Yeah. I mean, yeah you got all these different choices and you know if you're someone like me where you got your same old regular day runs but if i ran the same loop day after day after day i would be bored out of my mind even chautauqua i mean chautauqua park you yeah could, it's a tourist destination it's always crazy on the weekends but you could run chautauqua all summer and put different together routes. different loops and and routes all summer and never run the same route any day yeah, in, in a mountain park, you know? So yeah. it's a special place. What are, what are some common things people come in the store and ask you or want advice about, um, where to go, where to go. I, I think that's always the number one question is, you know, what do you recommend? Where do you go? Where yeah. should we go? Where should we start? Hey, I want to do a half day hike or I want to do a three day loop or, I want something that I can uh, do a four-day loop with very little altitude. I mean, just all these different variations, a million different variations of the same question, where should I go for this? That's always the number one uh, question. Um, And then just generally speaking, it's just little recommendations for pieces of gear in different categories, whether it's a water filter or a sleeping bag or whatever. Yeah, man. Um, But, yeah, I mean, that's what we're here for. Well, i got to imagine that's kind of, like, the cool part about having, like, an independent shop is you guys are passionate about this stuff. Mm -hmm. You know the area. Where if you went to, like, a bigger store, you might be working with someone who doesn't fully understand that stuff or wouldn't be able to answer those questions. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Everybody that works here is an outdoor junkie. Yeah. You know, we're not, like, I don't know. Actually, I don't know if anybody that works here has any retail experience. (laughs) One actually one per one I take that back one per I do because yeah. that's where I came from but yeah one person worked at another shop um, a while back but uh, I don't think anyone actually because I don't I don't care about any of that like yeah. I just want people that can be here to share stories and educate people on yeah. stuff you know so it's a little unique what are some ways I know you guys do group hikes and things uh-huh. like this what are some of the ways you're trying to connect people yeah so we do social meetups we'll host social meetups or. Uh, we'll do 14ers in the summer and we do snowshoe meetups in the winter. Um, but also I think there's an, a, an aspirational component to it or an inspirational component to it. We do film nights in the summer every first Friday where we try to show a film or group of films that is adventure related to yeah. kind of, kind of poke the fire a little bit and get people inspired to get outside. Um, so that's a big part of it. We write a lot in our blog to, okay. uh, as, as an opportunity to inspire people. But also our social media approach, particularly our Instagram, uh, our Instagram account, um, we uh, images have a have a tremendous capacity to inspire. You know, uh, whether it's a, whether it's a, a, a photo or a video. Yeah. I mean, probably half the times I've cried in my life, it's because I watched a video <laughs> and I was inspired by it. You know? Yeah. 
so we really take the approach with our Instagram um, we don't really do any marketing on it at all we want to just inspire people to get outside through the images of uh, people in our group doing fun shit yeah uh, so I think that's a big part of it for us yeah man I love the Instagram you guys Instagram you. account yeah. yeah it definitely I mean how many you have like certain people who are like ambassadors I guess is exactly, that what you yeah. say yeah yeah so we have a group of ambas- ambassadors that are just basically always out doing cool shit yeah <laughs> and uh, you know and they help us share the love yeah. yeah that's cool how do you decide those people or yeah so that's basically it we're looking for people that are out doing cool shit yeah. and <laughs> are really qualifications yeah are really good at taking photos of that yeah you know there's some other things like you know we have to feel good about their approach yeah yeah you know one thing that we're very passionate about is not being elitist about getting people outside and there have been you know we brought some ambassadors on in the past that uh, we had to let go because um you know they they seem to take the approach that the outdoors is only for people of their skill set um and that doesn't square with our cool no yeah so (laughs) so uh yeah so there's some parameters there where we really want people that you know share the same philosophy we do about yeah. the outdoors but for the most part we just want people that are out there just doing badass stuff that's cool man yeah. and it's hard not to do badass stuff around here that's what i realized yeah. really quick i'm like just driving up the canyon from morrison to evergreen and you see like 10 different hobbies going on you're like yeah. there's rock climbers right. oh that guy's painting uh these people are riding their bikes you're like right. what the hell like and everything looks cool but you kind of have to like choose one or two, you know? <laughs> yeah. And you learn very quickly when you move to Colorado that it it's dangerous to brag about anything. It doesn't matter how great you are at climbing or running. Like yeah. the, the world-class version of you probably lives two blocks down. So just keep your mouth shut. Yeah, <laughs> like just, yeah, yeah. just have fun, keep your head down, be humble, enjoy it. But the moment you start bragging, trust me, like the world-class version of what you just did yeah. probably passed you on the trail that oh, day. Oh yeah, so, like, totally. But it, it, I'm inspired by that. Like I don't take, I don't see Definitely. that as like uh, a bad thing. I see it as I just love being surrounded by people that that uh, are out doing badass yeah. stuff. And I might not ever do it, but like I love soaking that in. Yeah, like, definitely, man. I got uh, a couple more questions, but first one: Does the beard just naturally happen when you when you move out here, or was that did you already have that badass beard before? No, yeah. So <laughs> it, it's funny actually. There's a story behind it. The beard shares essentially a birthday with Feral. No way, really. Yeah. So I started growing <laughs> the beard uh, when I opened uh, the store uh, because in my old corporate job, I I could have like a little bit of stubble yeah. that I had to be tight. Five up o'clock shadow. And, yeah. um, and the moment I started Feral, uh, I was like, finally, I'm liberated. <laughs> <laughs> to grow the beard, I actually just took like six inches off. It was getting getting. I couldn't even get a dog brush through it. Yeah, it was out of control. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it, it's actually uh, on some level, um, you know, symbolic of kind of my, you know, journey a little bit. That's cool, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I guess just to wrap up, we've been talking on the show um, just about turning because you know we have guests on and it's very inspiring. And I'm always I always leave every conversation. I'm like ready to take on the world inspired yeah, but uh great. which is great but this the next step would be like taking action so like turning inspiration into actual action do you, is there any advice you would have to people who hear your story and they're like that's amazing like what can i do to pursue my own dreams or yeah um i i think that 
you know, I have a lot of people that come to me and ask what you know what it's like to start a business and whether or not how how they should start it or what they should what steps they should take. I think the first thing you've got to do, if that's if that is if that's what you're yeah. referencing, I think the first thing you've got to do is really self-actualize whether or not you should, because it's not for everybody. Yeah, you know, being being an entrepreneur, I don't even like that word. I think that word is stupid. But <laughs> you know, being someone that creates um, and is and, and takes full accountability of the result, that's not for everybody. I don't think everybody's wired that way. Um, there are a lot of people that. Um, are wired to enjoy and and have a lot of success in a corporate environment where the most of the inputs and outputs are controlled, and that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing at all. It doesn't mean that person is, you know, any less valuable in that environment. Um, so I, I think everyone has to really internalize. Um, you know, if you have a victim mentality at all, you have no business starting a business. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that that's the first thing. And that do, doesn't, that's not wrong, right, or indifferent. Just like, is that the right thing for you? If it is, um, then just make sure whatever the idea is a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I, but I've always felt, I've always, I, I will say this, um, I've always felt that you can uh, be successful in anything you do, financial or however you want to measure it, um, if you're good at it and you outwork everybody else. Like yeah. that's it. Uh, you, you like, you know, you could open up a, a auto body shop in Denver and like everybody might say, well, there's 95 in Denver. Why would you do that? Yeah. Simple. Just be better than everybody else. Yeah. Work harder than everybody else. So like, that's it. Um, like if it's something that you're wired for and you're going to enjoy it, um, once you flip the switch, all you have to do is outwork everybody else. And if you do that and you earn it, then God bless America. It should happen for you. I don't know. But, <laughs> Uh, I think so many people start businesses um, when they they are personally not wired um, from a skill set perspective and a personality perspective to really enjoy it. Yeah, I think that there's an over romantic, over overly romantic um, view of what it's like to in America specifically to what it's what it's like to be like own my own business <laughs> or whatever. Like it's overly romantic. It's not for everybody. Um, and the other thing I would say, uh, I'll share just a quick story. Um, uh, my freshman year in college, my finance professor had everybody stand up in the class and introduce themselves and tell the class what they wanted to do when they graduated college. So I stand up and I go, my name's Jimmy Funkhauser. When I graduate, I want to own my own business. And he looks at me and you can bleep this if you need to. No, points at me it. and he goes, <laughs> you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> And I first I looked around I was in like, the middle I, of class. I was like, I, I looked around like, can you say that? <laughs> uh, and I asked him, I was like, why? He goes, you're a child. Make your mistakes with somebody else's money first, and then once you've done that, yeah. If you still want to own that business, go get it. Yeah. But <laughs> screw up with somebody else's money first. He could not have been more right. Yeah. Because when I look back at the 10 years of my career, I was fortunate enough to have a lot of success, but I made a lot of stupid decisions that get absorbed in a multi-billion dollar company as non-issues. Yeah. But in a business like this or any small business... It would like um, rock it. Yeah, would, yeah. Mistakes that I made back then would have buried the business. Yeah. So, so take your lumps in settings where the lumps can be taken safely. If, yeah. if you have that opportunity before you, you branch out and just write the check and let it ride. That's cool, man. Yeah, man. I love that advice. Uh, 
where can people kind of follow along your story and find the store and yeah so the store we're a, a brick and mortar store on Tennyson Street in Northwest Denver um, we do have a website feralmountainco.com uh, where we share our story and, and we also have an e-commerce site uh, we're really active on social media because that's how we love to connect with our community particularly on Instagram at Feral Mountain Co and but also on Facebook and, and Twitter we're awesome, easy to man. we're easy to find. Yeah, man, and you're like right off I seventy, right? Really. Yeah. So if you're just driving into the mountains, like for ski season or sure. something, yeah. Like. We're we're the if you're driving west on seventy, we're the most convenient shop in town uh, because we always have parking. We're easy to get to from the interstate, um, and uh, we we try to be as easy to find as we can be. Definitely, man. Yeah. Well, thanks, Jimmy. Thanks for coming on the show. Of thanks right. for having me in the basement. Uh, <laughs> keep up the good work. All right, thanks, man. All right, see you. All right, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, real quick, I was just thinking about this. You remember that song from Top Gun that's like, Highway to the Danger Zone? Remember that? And they, like, literally, Top Gun, if you watch the movie, they play the same freaking three songs on repeat. Like, they just go through a repeat, and that's the soundtrack and the, you know, the score of the movie. Um, but I was thinking about highway to the danger zone because I was thinking about what Jimmy said kind of earlier on in the conversation where he was talking about the idea of fear and how evolutionarily, evolutionarily, I'm a science teacher and I don't know how to say that word. Uh, (laughs) um, but back in the day, it had a lot of uses because you needed that fear instinct to keep you out of danger, Uh, especially when you're sleeping in the wild, you're you know, on the edge of cliffs, there's wild animals around. Like you need that fear instinct in those situations. It's the danger zone. Those situations are the danger zone that Tom Cruise and and that guy from ER were talking about. Um, but they're not really pertinent now, right? Like I feel like in today's modern society, it shouldn't be highway to the danger zone or whatever it is. It should be... <laughs> highway to the uncomfortable zone that's what we fear nowadays i feel like we mostly fear being uncomfortable and being uncomfortable shouldn't be comfortable it shouldn't it's like literally in the name it should not be you shouldn't have a comfort feeling when you're uncomfortable but it doesn't mean it's a bad feeling some of my best feelings ever were after i had a spout of uncomfortableness and after uncomfortableness once you like push through you get the feeling of exhilaration because I remember I went to a Muay Thai class and I've never boxed I've never kickboxed I've never wrestled I've never done martial arts um but I thought Muay Thai looked cool and I went (laughs) and the first day I had no idea what I was doing like I was an in-shape dude in there probably looked like I should know what I was doing I had no idea. I didn't even know how to throw a punch. And, uh, you know, the uncomfortable feeling was like the first 15 minutes, not knowing anybody, being like, I feel, how do I even wrap my hands? Like, you have to wrap your hands up in this, uh, like, boxing wrap so your wrists stay stable. I was like, man, I don't even know how to, how to wrap my wrists correctly. I think I looked at a YouTube video and I was like, I hope that YouTube video worked. Same way I learned how to tie a tie. Uh, but anyways, so I showed up and I'm like, I don't know how to do any of this shit. (laughs) 
I don't know any of these people, you know? I felt really stupid at first. But guess what? Like, after 15 minutes, that's all it took. 15 minutes of being uncomfortable. I realized that other people in there were beginners too. And I realized, like, they don't expect you to know what you're doing, man. You've never done this before. So be cool with being comfortable. Be comfortable being uncomfortable. And, you know, it was a two-hour class. I finished the class, and I just felt so exhilarated. Because my not only was I, like, you know, moving in different ways, so my body felt good, but my brain felt good. My brain was, like, on cloud nine afterwards because my brain had a workout. My brain's like, you learned something new. And when you learn something new, you get rewarded. You get some dopamine. You, you just feel good, right? So the highway to the danger zone, I don't think we have to worry about that that often, right? Like how often I've had it. I think I mentioned the maroon bells at the beginning of the podcast. When I was on the edge of the cliffs at the maroon bells, yeah, that was that felt dangerous. And there were other ways I, you know, mentally coped and handled that. When a rock fell, because my buddy Calvin was climbing in front of me, kicked a rock. That's what the biggest danger on the maroon bells. The thing like slid down, you know, it missed me by like 10 feet. But like that adrenaline's going, man. You're like, oh, I got to pay attention. And then you're in the danger zone. But when you're just like going to a yoga class for the first time <laughs> or meeting someone new or starting something that you're not good at, that's not the danger zone. That's the uncomfortable zone. That's cool. Like totally, you can be in that for a while. Like you should be in that. You should make yourself take the highway to the uncomfortable zone every every so often. So I literally, I just thought of that within like 30 seconds before recording this outro. I'm like, oh, that's a good song. And then I'm like, ooh, uncomfortable zone. So anyways, uh, that's kind of my thought after talking to Jimmy. Jimmy rocked. Go to a store, Feral Mountain Company, or um, it's on Tennyson Street. It's right off of I seventy. Look it up. It's gonna if you're driving through Denver, it's literally going to be a f- maybe five minutes total out of your way. So it's not a- a- AKA. It's totally not out of your way. So go stop there. Talk with him and his staff. Uh, plan an adventure. You know, create adventure. I love that. That's his mantra his motivation kind of his mission with this you know i think he's doing a great job he wants to connect people to wild places i think he is excelling at that i think he's doing wonderful it's a great store it's my favorite outdoor store in all of the front range so go there check it out talk to jimmy um yeah uh if you want to listen to the other episodes of the podcast we have all sorts of adventurers and Wacky people doing crazy things in the outdoors. Uh, We have different athletes, different coaches. Um, You know, I kind of feel like it's all like (laughs) I read an article online. It's like how to have a good podcast. And one of the things was to have a central focus. So like a podcast about running, a podcast about knitting, a podcast about Batman or something like that, you know, like having that central focus and do every episode about that central focus because then you're getting your niche audience. And I'm like, that sounds boring, man. Like, I don't want to talk about just, I don't want to do a running podcast. I love talking about running. Don't get me wrong, but I don't want to do a running podcast. I don't want to talk about that every single day or week or whatever, 
You know, I want I want just kind of like a diverse group of people. So I guess what I would sum up the podcast, it's it's focused on outdoor activities, true. It's focused on athletes, true. It's focused on success and motivation and setting goals and accomplishing goals. Um, but it's really based on that like a Bigfoot mindset. And like a Bigfoot mindset, at the end of the day, episode one, Brady Manriquez, shout out Brady. Episode one came down to finding comfort in discomfort. And once you do that, imagine the possibilities. Imagine what you can accomplish with your time. So anyways, thanks for listening, guys. You guys rock. Uh, We'll get back at you next week. See ya.